back in the saddle, six-pack Lapidat, Paul Marin's in, and um, a lot of people are talking about the, the last episode we had, we just dropped with Sean Noriega, kind of recorded that out of place, but um, were you at that Easterns? We were talking about the worst possible competition. No, no, I wasn't there. And I, I actually posted the people, because that competition was, like, Randy's story is going to be a tough one to beat in terms of worst competitions. I posted up saying... You know what? I disagree about that, by the way, but go okay, on. Well, okay, yeah. well, let, let me just... Okay, cool. I'll, I'll get your feedback one sec. So I said, if you got a worst story, competition story, shoot me a line, and, um, and I want to talk about it. And I want to hear it. But Randy's is pretty flipping bad. But let me hear what you got. So... Second meet, Don Valley Power, was the one that I decided to cut. For whatever reason, I got in my head that I was too heavy as an 83 kilo lifter, and I wanted to cut to 74 before the meet. Not actually cut to 74, but, you know, I think I dropped like 10 pounds in the week leading up. Yeah, that, that, that week. Yeah. So and with we, like four of those pounds being the night before, like it just was... <laughs> yeah, that was, that was ridiculous, because leading into that one, yeah, I remember asking you, where's your body weight at, by the way? Just thinking... Or like I thought you'd be slightly heavier, maybe three kilo. Cool. How much water? Basically, I'm asking you to cut. And when you fire back, oh, I'm like 170, whatever the shit. And yeah. you don't only need to be 182 and a half. It's like, bro, um, three days ago you were about 10 pounds heavier. What the shit is going on? Oh, I stopped eating a week out. Like yeah. some of it stopped eating. Some of it leaving orifices of your body due to whatever. Due to whatever. But anyway, so. That's not even the worst part of that day. Okay. Nerves so bad. That was the best part of the day. That was actually probably <laughs> the best part of the day, yeah. Nerves so bad that when I tried to finally, I weighed in, made weight, obviously. I was a fucking weight, <laughs> 83 kilo. People, people, she was looking, shocker. Dude's looking at you like, okay, so either you really overcut your weight cut or you really fucked up your 74 kilo cut. It was a little bit of both. Yeah. Anyway, I started carving up, you know, doing the usual sugary shit, like the type of stuff that everyone thinks they're supposed to eat on meat day, but really is like a terrible idea. Ended up puking in the parking lot. So anything that I just recarved, gone. gone. Anything yeah. that I had left in my system, gone. Perfect. Started warming up for squats, cramped up. Just yeah, the most course. miserable day you could possibly have. Yeah. To the point where I know when Randy actually showed up to the meet to come watch, because that was before he even started competing, I was lying outside in the middle of October... On the concrete, yeah, looking you, basically I dead. Think, I think Randy said he showed up, asked Kathleen, where's Paul? And she goes, he's outside. And he looked out, and you look like a hobo on the concrete. With That's, your hoodie, hoodie I, over your face, literally sprawled out. And he's like, what the hell happened to Paul? You look like a bum. I, like you're waiting. People walking by were throwing you change. I basically became homeless that day. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, I had a full mental breakdown. Yeah. Not even the worst part of the day. Yeah, full mental breakdown. <laughs> you know what Kathleen said? She was like, I can't bring him. You try to bring your athletes like head in. You know what's funny? In both these stories, Kathleen handled both of you. Yeah. She must have like, I'm not handling these these freaking weirdos. No, anymore. we're based on the prima donna. So <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, if, if she, yeah, poor Kathleen. But she said, I was, she was trying to get you into a, a positive mindset. Yeah. And you were like, Kathleen, listen to me. Listen to me. I am 10 pounds lighter than I was two days ago. I don't know what's happening to my body. I may have eights. Like, yeah. Was that? <laughs> I can't retain anything. Not even the worst part of the day yet, though. Okay. So it's finally at the point where, you know, things are starting to turn around, starting to get food in me, starting to drink Gatorade, blah, blah, blah. I'm going inside, outside, hot venue. I leave my Gatorade outside. Finally starting to turn around. A goddamn raccoon 
stole my Gatorade. <laughs> I walked out the back door to grab my Gatorade. I'm at a low point because I yeah. just missed like my third squad or second bench. Like, you know, yeah. I'm like three for nine at this point. <laughs> three for nine? You are, you didn't bump, but you damn near I did. I you tried, might as well have. I tried my goddamn your, best. But. Your warm-up weight was your only and the only thing I had was somebody brought me a Gatorade. And I walked out the door and I'm thirsty, I'm parched, I'm feeling like shit. And I look at this raccoon in the eye and he in his little grubby paws is holding my Gatorade. And chugging it! And he's chugging it! And it's dribbling down his chin and it's going all... He's he's showering in it and then he fucking throws the bottle at you. That's exactly how I remember it. And even better is I remember at this point I was so just completely like I'm like I'm moving, I'm walking, I'm trying to walk around the door. I walk around to the front door thinking I'm going to avoid this guy. And he wanders his fat little raccoon self over there, still with my Gatorade at the front door, and continues to mock me. That's when you put your hands in your your head in your hands. I think the best guy could. That's where Kathleen fights. That's where Kathleen just... She throws in the towel. She goes, I would like, I'm waving off your last bed. I would like to also mention that this was my birthday. That this happened. What? Time. That was your birthday? <laughs> Woo! Happy birthday. That's what the fucking that, squirrel, the idea, the squirrel goes. Happy birthday, you fucking prick. The idea was we were going to do this meet. We were going to go out, get drunk. Like it was going to yeah. be the meet of my life. I really was peaking well. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And, and you found out the girl you had was Prego's. Wow! That's when the story gets worse, by the way. Yeah. That's why I threw that in there. Only... Yeah, yeah. Wow, shit, man. That's a really bad one. Uh, it right. was your birthday! That thing was so bad, I didn't compete for a year. <laughs> you, you contemplated quitting. I contemplated you quitting like, powerlifting and going to men's fitness. You're like, this isn't fun. I signed up for men's physique <laughs> for a meet. You signed up for women's physique. That's I, sh- I shaved my entire body. I got yeah. a tan. Jesus. I was working on my booty poses. Rechecked your whole your whole shit. That's that's rough. Yeah, that you know what? That's pretty bad. Yeah, that's, that's uh, pretty bad. Wow. So Randy Cook. Yeah, he's got the only and, reason why Randy's up there is um he was told his grandmother might not make it, and some point in that day his, his grandmother died. Yeah. That's a fucking tough one. That's a tough one. But you could fire back at me, hey, guess what, bud? At least a raccoon didn't steal his goddamn Gatorade. You're like, hey, bud, old people die. Yeah. Okay, your grandma's 172 years old. My pride, right? my pride died that day. <laughs> your piece of me died that day, bro. Okay? Um, yeah, that, th- those are fucking terrible. And, yeah, Kathleen handled both of you. Yeah, no so wonder, you know what, when I ask people to handle, and you, Randy, yeah, it's fun. Kathleen's over there. Well, oh, she's like, it's the worst thing I've ever done. She, I'm like, yeah, she's had some really rough ones now that I think about it. With that said, I also need somebody to handle me for provincials in November. So yeah, well, we'll see what Kathleen's doing. Yeah, um, but uh, wow, so that might—that's up there with Randy's. Uh, but I'm interested. Listen, if someone's listening, fire me your worst case scenarios because these are some tough ones. So people it's, are gonna hear this and, and be like, "I don't beat that." Yeah, you know what? It's also the reason why I don't think I ever get rattled in a meet anymore. Like I yeah, know I've, I've re- tasted it. I've reached rock bottom. And. You didn't bomb. Yeah. You know how you know they I went, like I went five for nine on the day or something like something that. Something terrible. Yeah. But you you kept your foot in the door. It's all about adjusting on that day. Literally walk out there your opener, make it nothing. I okay, so this is where I got I remember listening. This is a story about like everyone said, What's the worst day you had? There's like a radio show. Colin, what's the worst day you had? And this one this is like one of the worst stories. This one dude 
was helping his grandmother with her car, okay? So he's under the fucking car, and he's trying to fix it, and there's a jack holding the car up. Oh, now, the boy. jack goes on him and pins him underneath the car, and something punctured in a place in his body, and he feels it, and he's like, oh, shit! And he yells, and he yells out for his grandmother, and that he's raped by the tire, and the grandmother comes out, and she's like, what, what? He's a grandma. Grandma, that car pinned me. I need help. And he's thinking, go fucking call for help. Yeah. So then she, she all of a sudden, he hears the door go, oh, God. And he goes, no, please, <laughs> please, no. no. He, goes, he goes, Grandma, what are you doing? Grandma. And he hears, he hears her little, little, her little feet walking around the car. Oh. Door opens up. Door closes. And he goes, he's like, no, no, God. God, no, Grandma. And she's got a cane. Please she's got no. a cane. That's what she, he's like, please no. She tried to drive, but luckily the jack, the way it had fallen, stopped the car from backing up, but did not stop the, the wheel from turning and tearing his flesh from spinning. Oh, and he could oh, smell his flesh. Oh, and going, Grandma, please stop. Oh, God. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. And Grandma opens up the car, and then she, and then he hears her little hoofs, and then he hears her cane hit the ground, and she walks around. And she goes, "I can't get the car to Grandma." He goes, "He goes, no." He goes, he goes "Please." He goes, "Get help! I'm bleeding pretty bad now, and I got some burns. I got some deep burns. Some burns. There's some tissue gone. I can smell my flesh." Please get help. He goes, please go, go, get help. So he's, so then he hears her, her little, her little hoofs and her little cane. And she left, she left. He goes, where the fuck is she? Where is she? But he didn't hear the door close again. So he's like, okay, she's not in the car. She's not in the car. She came back five minutes later with her 95 year old neighbor, Dolores. Oh my God. And that was the help she got. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, oh my God. Jesus! I'm gonna die. <laughs> this is this how I die. <laughs> this goddamn guy can't even I'm, be angry because my grandmother. I'm pinned, and Dolores like I don't know what to do. And they're having a discussion. Eventually, they call 911. Fucking, they come get the car off of him. The guy lives. And in the phone, they're like, "You win. You get the tickets to the fucking football game, whatever yeah. it was." Worst story. So. Point is, I love these worst story canaries. Oh, so Because even though they're like absolutely terrible, they're absolute, they're hilarious after the fact. As long as all's well that ends. Yeah, well. as long as you don't die under a car because <laughs> your grandmother ran you over. But he, the way he described it, when he heard her little hoofs, and then all of a sudden the door closed. So he goes, oh, oh shit! You know the anxiety he probably that pro once he heard the door <laughs> shut, there is no reason you should start pumping. Blood starts flowing. The anxiety would hit you like, oh my god. He said, he said, he fucking tried to brace, like grabbing a hold of something, like, what the fuck am I bracing for? He's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. He's, he said, he's like, I think I'm about to die or lose a huge chunk. Like, if that moved, because he got pierced by something, if she backed up, that thing would have opened him, him like a fucking fish getting gutted. He was ready, he was. He was like, he's I was praying, he is please God, please kill And he said he looked over and seen the jack fell. But the way it was, it was uh, on an angle still into the car, he fucking grabbed a hold of that jack. And was like, that son of a bitch is not leaving. He, with one arm, was like, please hold, little jack. Please hold on that angle. Summon the strength of Hercules to make sure it's not going anywhere. He summoned 
every last power. Like Randy Cook fighting on his last fucking squat to not bomb out yeah. or on that 285 bench. That 285 Jeez. bench. That saved his life, exactly. Um, some heroic stuff, my friend. But those are worst case scenarios. Um, another thing, let me grab a fucking drink of my Perrier water. Not a sponsor, but I love it to be. Mm. Mm. When you're dieting, by the way, talking about dieting. Perrier water is amazing. No calories, but bloats you, fills you up so you feel, I, so you feel full. I drink it nonstop. Yeah, I know. Perrier. It's, it's <laughs> again. <laughs> this podcast is Shameless. brought to you. Shameless. It should or be. should be brought should to be. you by. Um, yeah, oh fuck, it's expensive as hell too. I can really use it as a sponsor. Yeah. But, um, so I want to talk to you also. Um, I seen, and not powerlifting related, but uh, yeah, Queen Phoenix and the Joker. Looks freaking amazing Looks to me. Looks awesome. Yeah. And I love Yak Queen Phoenix. And, and I think in every, whenever someone's going to do the Joker, they automatically bring it back to um, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Who, I mean, got, who got an Oscar. And it's an amazing role. He's an amazing actor. It's, um, I know you loved him in Brokeback Mountain. I, and, it's, um, I, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Um, I have a tattoo on my back. Absolutely. And um, so anyways, Yak Queen Phoenix picking up. Everyone's going to compare him. If anyone can actually pull this off, it's going to be a character method actor. Those dudes or girls who hit the hit the, the, the set, leaf set, and stay in character. Those type. Yeah. Who are in character for three months straight and their family's rooted out by those type. Yeah, Queen Phoenix is, by the way, the guy who had that fucking meltdown. Oh, he had a meltdown before. 15 years ago. It was a documentary. But he was... It's, it's called I'm Still Here. Yeah. A documentary. But he... I don't know if it was a meltdown or fake It wasn't meltdown. a meltdown. It was a fake meltdown. I remember because I remember I read an article on it, but I mean, it was... Did he ever say it was fake? It came out that it was just him getting into character for a role. So it was never determined whether it was fake, whether it was for the role. Like Because he... A, I remember he showed up on David Letterman, so he pretended... He's saying he wanted to be a rapper. Yeah. And he showed up on David Letterman super weird. To this day, it's on YouTube. Bath, massive, bushy beard. Looked like a hobo. Like, His answers were so or random Or a professor. Weird. It's... Yeah, and some rappers aren't eccentric yeah. like that. And he was like the craziest of answers. And um, it was, it, everyone was talking about it. And it, now on YouTube, like it's got a kabillion different views. But and, I think it was fake. Like I think it was actually like legitimately just trying to get into whatever character that he was trying to build. Here's the thing. Head. Actors like them get so deep into the role. They lose themselves. Like they, I can't even wrap my head around. They become this person. I saw him... And he's the guy who doesn't give a shit if it's a big blockbuster movie or a small role. He just likes the roles. I saw him take um, on a role, it was like an indie film, where he's like a depressed guy who's like a, a, a gun for hire. But we're not talking like when Vin Diesel does a role, he's always Vin Diesel. When The Rock does a role, I love The Rock. He's inspirational, big huge jack guy, what's well, not the love, but he's The Rock almost in every movie. Yeah, he's... It's a variations yeah, of The Rock. He's, you can still see The Rock in there. Even when he's acting, you're like, like he's played the role, he's a gay man, big, huge. But you can tell he's The Rock playing a gay man. Like, he's not, he's The Rock. He's always The Rock. Whereas, Yaquin Phoenix, when he took this role, just, he had, he wasn't just a tough guy. He, in one scene, because he's battling depression, he has like a breakdown, comes to tears, and with anger and sadness mixed, and then pulls himself, and you feel he's sad. You feel the anger and sadness He's hanging on, pulls himself together, and then leaves and does what he has to do. And, he'll, and, then, and then when he enters into his next scene and he's into some confrontation with a man, you're telling the other guy, don't fuck with this guy's a loose cannon. He doesn't even want to be yeah. here. I mean, I'm, I gotta watch this movie. I haven't seen it. It's phenomenal. Actually. I'll shoot it to you. Me and Kathleen saw it. 
but um, he does an amazing role. But it's that's the difference between The Rock and Vin Diesel, who walked into that scene with the other guy being a tough guy and then just being tough. Whereas this guy walks in there half their size, but my God, he's for real unhinged. You believe it, and it was phenomenal. That's why when Jack Jacqueline Phoenix, I'm probably butchering his name. My girlfriend corrects me. I say Jacqueline. I, I say his name yeah. seven different flavors. <laughs> I, I was gonna say now I've listened to you say it so many times. Well, I can't remember his name actually is. I'll ruin it for you, bud. Yeah, it's uh, it's done. It's done. But, uh, but he could play the Joker, for real. His own. He he won't try to redo Heath Ledger. I'd buddy be like, he'd be the guy who could redo Heath Ledger. So that's no, fine. nobody redoes Heath Ledger. That's, that's, and if you try, you fail. Yeah, and it's that's it would stupid. be it would just be a stupid idea to do it. And that's why I told my friend, you're stupid and you have stupid ideas. Yeah, it was it was random, wasn't it? <laughs> Let's assume it was. It wasn't, let's just say he was five foot two, 250 pounds. Huh. Um, small pecker. So there you go. It was random. It was random. <laughs> um, so that describes one anyways, person on Earth. Super excited to see that. Saw the preview and I want to talk about it. Uh, I just wanted to bring it up. It, actually, there's not much info on it, but I'm pretty fucking hungry. No, the only thing they've really released so far is obviously they've released some promo photos or photos of him now as yeah. the Joker. And, and it, it looks, looks good. awesome. It doesn't look. And he looks just as unhinged. <laughs> With the makeup and without the makeup. Without the makeup, you believe he's, yeah. he's a madman. And he'll be able to, like, listen to me. He can, he can pull this off. It, it, when I tell you, I, you know what, I hate people who are listening to this. probably, dude, you told us this amazing indie movie. It's on Netflix, if that helps. I'm sorry. I'll fucking post what it is. I hate it. <laughs> someone brings up an amazing movie, and then they're like, what movie is it? You're looking it up right now, if you find it. Um, but, uh, yeah, he does an amazing job. If you see him, the guy can pull it off. Obviously, he's done the bigger... Movies like Signs with Mel Gibson and whatnot back in the day. Yeah, Gladiator. Gladiator. Which he was phenomenal in. But that's, that's, he is, but that's low hanging fruit compared to some of his other stuff he's done later on in life. And his brother was River Phoenix, who died. This might be over some people's, you know, timeline, but he was a River Phoenix's brother. So, so, child actor died. Yes! So here's the name of the movie. So you guys don't get pissed. You were never really here. That's what it is. Violent as hell. And, I mean, he's killing people with a hammer and stuff like that. But it's not cheesy violence. It's not, it's, it's, he does a very good job. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, nice. Yeah, well, he does, it's That's... dark. Listen, listen to me, it's dark. But he's, he kills it. If you want to see acting at its finest. Yeah. You know what, because I hate podcasts when people drop a movie and you're like, I want to see it. And then the guy doesn't, I can't yeah. remember the name. It's like, you're an asshole. Yeah, I would have been upset if both of us had we not actually found that, so. Another thing I want to say um, while we have Julius Maddox waiting in the wings here, so it'll be fairly quick, but U.S. Conor McGregor versus Khabib Negamarov next weekend, and a little controversial, so this is possibly the biggest UFC fight of all time, Conor McGregor, the biggest pay-per-view champ of all time. Um, when he threw a dolly through a bus that um, Khabib was on at, the, at, at a UFC, the UFC in which Khabib was fighting for Conor's title, that got stripped from him. Conor won the title, left, MMA for a little while, made $100 million to fight um, Floyd yeah. Mayweather in a boxing match. So, yeah, God bless. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, how do you think it too? Nobody would. They strip him of his title. Khabib fought a guy who's ranked 11th. Took Conor's title. Conor's like, you're not the champ. You don't have the champ until you fight me. You don't fight ranked number 11 to win. Anyways, Khabib smacked around one of Conor's best friends slash teammates when Conor wasn't there. Conor takes a flight, flies to New York, rolls up on that bus, and is like, I'm here. Rolls up on the side of the bus, shows he's got no weapons, come outside the bus, let's rock and roll. Khabib doesn't leave the bus. Connor grabs a trolley, th starts smashing up the windows, and, and random innocent people get cut. And, um, and Connor just wants a piece of this guy because the guy put hands on, on his buddy. So, um, and he's, you know, 
a fired up Irishman. And so anyways, at the time, people were really disgusted. Dana White said, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen at a UFC event. Um, you know, throwing a trolley through a bus window, innocent people were cut, and uh, there's lawsuits flying around. At the time, this is what Dana White says. And this is going back March-ish, April-ish, something like that. Now, fast forward. The fight's next week, and in the promo videos and anything, bet your sweet ass, they're using that trolley going through the bus, going through of the windows. Course. And that's all part of it. Now, some people are saying, this, you said at the time, this is the most disgusting thing you've ever seen, and you can't believe it, and, um, you know, something's got to happen to Connor. You didn't suspend Connor. You didn't kick him out of the U.S. You did nothing. Um, he got charged, got lightweight, pleaded down, nothing really happened, and now you're using the promo video. Some people are saying they're, it's hypocritical and calling a foul. And this is, my take on it is, correct me if I'm wrong, but to tell the story of this fight, that's a bit of an elephant in the room to not bring up. I know the way they put it in the promos, almost sensationalizing it, and they're capitalizing it, but it happened. And not only that, everybody in the middle knows it happens. So what do you do? Do you address it? Do you use it? Do you actually place it in there? Or do you let it be, everyone already knows, we don't need to touch on it, let's just, let's just go the high road and not mention it. It was already done and made tons of PR. You know what, if you're doing the promo video, I feel like it's gotta be in there. It's part of the story that led up to the fight. It's part of the story that led up to the event. I'll be honest, it's... I can see people where they could, I can see both sides, where they could be like, look at, like, I mean, this is international news. Everybody all over the yeah. world is talking, this is international news. Um, so I could see where some people be like, it was already said and done. You could take the high road and not mention it, but I think if it was up to me and they said, what do you think? I'd be like, put the clips in It's there. not like it's not all, all over the internet. It's not like yeah. anybody else that's building up a hype video or anything like that on YouTube isn't yeah. going to use the same clips. Yeah. I would say it's... Put what it Dana, in there. What Dana, I mean, what Dana White said, yeah, it's a little bit hypocritical to throw it in there afterwards, but you're dealing with hindsight. It's... What he said was in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the issue going on. What they did too was, what Dana did very well was, he waited until A, Connor was sorted out by the authorities. So now when he puts it in the video, he could say, um, he went through the legal and he paid his dues, whatever it was. That was his punishment. He got punished. If he had done it before he even got punished, it looks bad. Because, uh, but now he actually has a bit of ground to stand on to say, look, if the man paid his dues, paid his crime, he, he paid for his crime, you're going to keep punishing him. It's over it's done with. It's a part of history. We can reflect on that history. They're going to make documentaries on Connor's career in 20 years. Yeah. You don't think they're going to mention it? And you don't think when they put that documentary out in 20 years, they're going to have that preview being, do you remember this? Do you remember that? And that's going to be in the clips. And then it won't be hypocritical. So when can you start promoting, telling the story? That's all I'm doing is telling the story. So in 20 years when you tell Connor's story, or if they do a documentary about this rivalry, sports rivalry, you're going to have that clip. And you're going to put those in there. So it's okay in 20 years. When did it start becoming okay? Dana White says, I believe it starts becoming okay after the man goes through the court system, pays his legal dues, and the court says, we're even right now. Yeah, I agree. Then what, because beyond that, it's all judgment between our own moral fibers. I do not have any, so I'm we're, good. We know that. Okay. That's, that's so, we definitely, uh, uh, so anyways, uh, yeah, no, but. Uh, for myself, I just think, fuck it, man. It's it was if he like if it was more severe, like those he's gonna get sued and whatever. Like, yeah. He's not getting off. People no, it's, are it's, it's, people exactly. Are it's not like yeah. the people that are injured, the people that are affected, yeah. aren't gonna get their compensation. Yeah, yeah. It's not insulting to them. It's not like and Connor actually said. Some people on site said, 
Look, at when he threw that dolly at the window, he seen the window break. The next thing he grabbed was a metal trash can, put it down, grabbed a rubber one. Because I don't, and someone said that's, that, that, that's new, it's worthy to note because some, a guy on site, I think it was Max Holloway, said, um, because he wasn't actually looking to break the windows, he's trying to smack, because a lot of people think it's like the plexiglass at a, at a hockey game, they don't break. So you think, yeah. I'm going to smack it, it'll bounce off the side, I'm trying to get him out. I'm showing, come on out, let's scrap. That's all I want. You're thinking, I'm going to smack it off the side, it's going to boom off the side, and everyone in there is like, oh shit, and it'll vibrate like a puck smacking the, the side of the plexiglass of a hockey game. That's what he thinks. When it broke, he stopped throwing metal things, started throwing rubberized things, because he wasn't, it wasn't his attention. Yeah, was already, when it broke, yeah, people, well, after he broke, he wasn't, well, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, you're not he, backing he, up now, bro. I was going to say, you're not just going to slowly back away and... No, it's, you're 100% like, you know committed. We're, we're yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're in it at that I, point. I apologize. Yeah. Good luck tomorrow night in your fight. I'll see you in October. No, you're sold. You got to keep ramping it up and tell them to come outside and you got to fight. But, um, anyways, wanted to get that. So we're 25 minutes deep. Let's fucking get this guy on the phone. Today, we got a bench beast. Julius Maddox, um, we have about four or five individuals chasing the 700-pound raw bench this year. Julius went first in February, hit a 705-pound bench. My friend. That's higher than some people's totals, first of all. That's some okay. people's totals. That's an amazing deadlift. That's an and amazing, not for a small guy. No, that's an amazing deadlift. That's an amazing squat. You know, Russell Orhe, who is one of the strongest men you're going to walk, uh, who's walking, hit 705 bench in a competition, he's going to be doing high fives saying, holy shit, I just hit 705. And that's what's already... And he said bench, and you mean dead. And th uh, that, that's, yeah. that's a dead. This guy's benching that. That's yeah. how strong this is. This man, if he got caught underneath that fucking car he with his grandmother, off himself. he would have bench pressed the... Yeah, exactly. He'd be like, oh, hell no, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Although he probably wouldn't have gotten underneath that car. I'm assuming this guy's a, a monster yeah. man. That'd be one hell of a big-ass jack. But... You get the point. The guy is strong as shit. Um, probably the strongest bencher we got on this continent, this side of the world, um, or anybody who's not living currently in Russia. So, uh, gotta come on, have him on here, talk to him about his benching, and uh, briefly ask him about his background before he came on, and it sounds like he's got a phenomenal story. And I love having lifters on here, because you don't know their story. You don't know what they came through. Some of the, some inspirational stuff. Listen close, because, um, I mean, he says it's going to be an open book about it. He's got one for you. So with no further ado, we're going to give Julius Maddox a ring. Okay, so we are live with Julius Maddox, 705-pound bench press. And Julius, just so everybody knows, um, how big of a man are you? Uh, 435. Six three. So you're a you're, you're <laughs> big boy. Have you always yeah. been big? Uh, yeah, so uh, at the age of seven, they wouldn't let me play Pop Warner because I was 179 pounds you're at the age of seven years old. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I was a big kid. Wowzers, that's big. So are, yeah. is your family big? Like, or is it just genetically or? Uh, yeah, I have some people in my family that are pretty big. But for the most part, I'm probably one of the, besides a cousin of mine, he's about six, uh, six, seven, uh, 390. Six, so, seven, uh, 390. That's can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 
So, you know, he, he's a pretty big dude. Um, but for the most part, like, my dad was about 6'4", stayed around 250. Uh, my brother is uh, about 6'1", six foot, six foot uh, 220. Wowzers. So, so growing up, you were already well, well beyond all your peers. What is it like growing up, though, when you're so much bigger than everybody else and you stand out? Like, how did, how did your peers treat you and how did other kids treat you? Because sometimes, because um, I read a lot of, like, I love reading about athletes and some of the big, larger athletes, they said, like, it's a gift and a curse because you stand out from your peers and also older guys will fuck with you not realizing how young you are. And it's scary yeah. when it's scary when you're like 12 and like a guy who's fucking 18 might fuck with you. And you're like, dude, I'm I'm a fucking kid. Man, I'm still uh, yeah. a kid. I, I have a story about that. I, I remember uh, around I was between uh, about 11, 12, somewhere along the lines. And uh, the, the, the older kids would uh, always dump me in the swimming pool. And I wasn't as aggressive yet. But it seems like I think whenever I became a teenager, like when I turned 13, the next summer, um, it was it was over. Like I was handling, you know, guys that were 16, 17, 18 years old, and uh, they quit messing with me around the age of 13, you know. <laughs> but uh, growing up, you know, like I said, I was a bigger I was a bigger kid. Um, I was bullied as a kid, uh, made fun of a lot. Um, so yes, to an extent, it can be a curse. Uh, so I, I struggled big time growing up. I always felt like I was in a box, um, just because I was a bigger kid. Uh, I wanted to fit in with everybody, but I'm just this uh, enormous kid around a bunch of, you know, pretty much babies, it seemed like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's such a unique, it's almost like a fairy tale, like the kid who grew up way faster than everybody else. Like he's like a boy yeah. man's body, like the old, like, you know, those movies. Well, Big was. Uh, yeah, yeah, Big with uh, yeah. Tom Hanks. I'm not yeah. sure if that might be, this is like an 80s movie. Uh, how old are you? 31. Okay, this might be a little little back before your time. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like when he was a kid put into a man's body, but it literally is like that, and it's hard to fit in. Um, yeah. and, and just a little background, so like, uh, like the dynamics of your family and where you grew up. How was your childhood um, with your, in terms of your household growing up, as well as where you lived? So um, I have an older brother. He's uh, three years older than me or four years older than me. But uh, it was just me, him, mom, and dad. Uh, I was raised in the projects. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, my dad, you know, uh, my dad was a hustler. That's what he did. He hustled. Um, and my mom, she worked to provide for, you know, whatever was left for me and me and my brother. Mm. So um, she took her. So she worked a lot. My mom worked sometimes uh, 12, 16-hour shifts. And my dad, you know, like I said, I told you earlier, he struggled with, uh, he battled alcoholism and um, other various drugs. So a lot of times, just to be honest, I was raised by the streets. Um, I always went to a local boys and girls club. Um, I mean, I, could, I went there until I was 18, all summer after school. So that's where all the local um, kids, the project kids uh, went to that facility and just hung out, played basketball, kind of. That's where I was really introduced to sports uh, there at boys and girls club. And what city is this? This is Owensboro, Kentucky. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're about an hour. The large, one of the larger cities is Louisville, Kentucky. Have you heard of it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know much. We're about an hour been. and 30 minutes south of Louisville. Gotcha. And it, growing up as, um, like, being so much bigger than all your peers and whatnot, did it lead you into trouble at times? Like, sometimes if you're in a group, too, 
Um, so when you're early goings, they might people might mess with you, okay? And then when you get older, you start becoming the guy if you start handling yourself where they look to you, people start hanging off of you for the other reason, thinking, well, as long as Julius is around. And then you start getting roped into shit where this isn't your beef, but people look to you to finish some beefs, right? Like being the big guy. Yeah. Yeah, in, in my town, I mean, well, not just in my town, but uh, pretty much uh, most of the time whenever we went, I hung out with people that loved to fight. And uh, a lot of times uh, that would get me in trouble too. Um, and sometimes just hanging out at bars, that, that would get me in trouble also just because uh, some of the guys that I would hang out with uh, knew that I was going to finish it. You know, if somebody started something, I'd finish it. But a lot of times I was the guy to try to mediate things. Um, but once uh, it, it was just past that, then, then you know, I engaged whatever whatever was going on. You know, but for the most part, I tried to, like, mediate things. And because, and, hey, I mean, at the time, whenever I was out partying and bar, bar hopping, I didn't want to fight. And, you know, I'm there for looking for women. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> I don't want brand new shoes on, nice clothes. I don't want to, I don't want to fight, you yeah. know, I just want to have fun. But my friends, they felt like they had something to prove uh, nine, nine out of 10 times. And, and that's what they were, it would end up in a fight every, just about every time I went out. And, and of these, of this crew that you're growing up with, have they all gone a positive route since then growing? Cause it's a tough neighborhood. You can no. go in different directions. Uh, yeah. So I got, I mean, out of the core group of guys for the most part, um, because so growing up, my, the guys that I grew up with are some of them are totally different from the guys that uh, after I kind of whenever I became an adult, I started hanging out with a whole different group of guys. But for the most part, the guys that that I was getting in trouble with growing up for uh, through my teen years, um, yeah, they they changed their life. Uh, some are one's Air Air Force mechanic. Uh, 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 he works in the Air Force. He's in the Air Force and he works as a, a mechanic. Um, He's a, uh, I got a couple guys that are real estate agents. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, we work together. Uh, I work for a Christ-centered recovery program for drugs and alcohol. And he's another supervisor. Um, and, you know, we, we pretty much tackle uh, the, the same, we have the same goals, you know, in life, uh, apart from powerlifting. But yeah, mo most of them are, are, are living successful lives. So you work at a, um, let's talk about where you work right now. We're, we're do, we'll go back for a second here. We're jumping ahead. But yeah. um, is this been like some of the, because you had said also um, with a little bit of background, in your youth you suffered with some depression, and that's kind of yeah. how you found some sports. And um, so maybe we'll talk about that a little bit and how you found sports. And now as an adult, you're giving back and becoming a difference and how possibly now through sports people look up to you and you kind of use that. Oh, definitely. So, um, just a quick rundown really quick. Uh, I played, uh, basketball in high school, believe it or not. Um, and, uh, you know, around here, you're not going to find a center, uh, for, I mean, be able to go on to the next level, uh, as far as college, uh, being 300 pounds, 6'3", 300 pound center, you know, you just, you very rarely see that. So, um, of course, I, like I told you, I quit football my, uh, the summer before my senior year because I wanted to go out and party with my friends. You know, they're out partying and, and having a good time, and I'm sitting here going to three days, and I'm miserable, not really seeing the long game, you know. Um, so I quit football, didn't make it in basketball. Um, I went to Western Kentucky University, 
and just got involved with the wrong group of guys and started trafficking drugs. Um, I went on to uh, continue to live that lifestyle for about uh, 10 years. Well, oh, wow. I, yeah, so I, I went, yeah, I, I've been in drugs and alcohol, um, busted numer- numerous times, um, used a many ver- a variety of drugs. Uh, so addiction for me is, is, yeah, it runs deep, not just in my family, but in my own life. Mm. Um, and uh, I got busted for uh, trafficking uh, marijuana through the mail at the age of 25, which landed me uh, on my way to prison. And I had an opportunity to either finish out my sentence um, or go into uh, a long-term treatment for drugs and alcohol, which it's crazy because around that time... Oh, no. We need this one back. Would you just yeah. drop... Let, we're gonna, I'm going to give him another ring. This is an amazing story. My apologies. No worries, buddy. No worries. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting a phone call. Let me see. I, well, anyway. So um, I ended up... Uh, um, Kentucky passed the law at that time, and I was able to get out and go to treatment, which is the place I work for now. And in rehab is where uh, you know I started lifting weights. Uh, it's this dark, uh, like dungeon-like basement with uh, you know a whole bunch of steel weights, uh, and I just went down there and, and just started you know started playing around just because for so long I supplemented uh, you know with drugs, and um, you know I had to learn how to deal with real life problems, and uh, you know weightlifting was an outlet for me, and just through through the time of going through recovery of working a, a full-time job like I've never worked in my life. And, and handling other responsibilities in life, you know, I started getting stronger. And I didn't realize, because I didn't know anything about lifting weights. I just, you know, basic stuff. I throw uh, 135 on the bar and work up to like 225 and lift until I can't lift anymore, you know. But um, I had a guy um, that I still work out with. His name is uh, Josh Patterson. He was one of the supervisors there. And we kind of um, continued to lift uh, together. And he put me on a, like a basic... Um, uh, it was by Brandon Lilly, like the, I don't know, it's like a five-by-five five routine. But anyway, um, before I knew it, um, I was extremely strong. Um, there was one point where there was every single ba- every single plate that we had in the basement on the bar, and we added it up, and it was like 500 pounds. It was like 505 pounds. And um, I went to go lift, and I repped it out like th- for three reps. And um, we began talking about it, and they are like, man, not many people are doing that. And, uh, again... <laughs> I didn't really know because I've never been into powerlifting or lifting weights like that. So I did my first competition. Uh, I think the first competition I ever did, uh, it was just a little local competition. We're just It wasn't no sanctioned event. I lit, uh, hit 525. Um, then I really, I got hooked up with Josh Bryant that, uh, that following about like eight months later. And uh, I did a competition like as I was uh, starting to, you know, uh, a former relationship with Josh Bryant and uh, this was of course eight months later and I turned around and hit uh, I think a 625 bench Whoa. and I've never had really like any real programming or anything like that um, and it just continued to uh, I, I continued to grow um, I formed this relationship with Josh Bryant I'm training under him been training under him for about four and a half years um, so now I've made it through rehab um, I still continue to uh, lift weights and I started traveling, competing early on. 
Um, and I went from just being strong to elite. And, um, you know, and that just opened him. And to be honest, I'm going to be, I'm going to be up front. Like, and I know some people have different beliefs, but, um, if, if the Lord didn't change my life, um, I'd probably still be in prison or dead right now. And he's given me this, he's given me this awesome platform, um, um, as far as powerlifting to go out and I, I get to go to inner city schools and I meet with kids weekly on a weekly basis at inner city in, in the schools in my, uh, in my area. And I travel to different schools and, and talk about awareness of drugs and alcohol and the consequences behind it. So really, to be honest, this is much more than powerlifting uh, uh, my life as far as lifting weights. This is it's bigger than that, um, because, you know, the way the generation, our generation is going these days um, and the stuff we're seeing on TV and just in our communities, the drug use and drug abuse is, is just crazy. And somebody's got to stand in the gap. And I feel like God has called me to stand in the gap and he's given me this ability to attract kids and kids uh, respond very well. And not just kids. I mean, I go to colleges and speak. I mean, I get invited to places that I never thought I'd be getting invited to. I'm going to speak in front of college classes and and, um, and I'm not even I, I, I went to college and flunked out my first semester. You know, and here I am teaching um, a college students about, you know, life, you know, so um Again, that's that's kind of I know it's kind of lengthy, but that's that's a little rundown no, no, over the past no. five years. Man, you gotta catch us up. This is that was an amazing uh, story. Yeah. I mean, if I can only imagine being a kid, high school, whatever, or, or younger, and a larger than life guy, like literally a giant of a man, walks in the room. If we're all in the gymnasium to hear you speak, six four, four hundred and whatever pounds, and one of the strongest men in the world. And um, you tell the story you just told about from um, growing up at father an addict, inner city, to becoming an addict, to pushing drugs, and to facing prison. And thank God they passed that uh, that law where instead, yeah. instead of putting a young man like yourself in prison and being like, because in prison, a lot of times people don't get better. They get better at yeah. being a criminal. But they don't whatever better. it is, yeah. Yeah. And for them to actually be like, because there are some people who don't agree with this, right? They don't agree with these kind of programs. And this is a beautiful story where it's like, don't give up on the youth all the time. Like, invest in their future. And man, you yeah. turned it around. And now you're like a, a role model going, paying forward, <clears throat> visiting the youth saying, there's two paths I could have took. This is the path I take now. You know, and it's, and I love the story too when you're talking about, um, here's another throwback. I'm a movie guy, but the movie Unbreakable with uh, Bruce Willis and um, Samuel Jackson's in it, and he's in the basement with the son, and uh, <clears throat> they find out like he's got a superpower, he's super strong. Okay, they find out he's okay. really strong. It's kind of like you, where they got a bench press, and they're like loading on a little more weight, loading on a little more weight, and he doesn't meet his max. And like, this is all the fucking weight we got. Like, he's just repping it out. It's like, yeah. holy shit. And then, so they're looking at each other, and that's when they have that realization, that coming to realization moment in the movie where it's like, I think I might, this might be, I might be strong. I think this might be my jam. Kind of like what you're saying where you don't know until you get in there, and then all of a sudden you're like, we can load up every weight in the house. We could like, hook up paint buckets on the side of this bench, and I'm going to yeah. keep going. That's I think we got something. Yeah. Um, just, just for like, so what size were you at the point when you started lifting and then was it a conscious effort that like, look, if I'm going to chase my goals and maybe we could talk about when you started realizing, holy shit, I think I could do this because 
around the time when you started, I, I, I became um, a fan of yours when um, I seen you were chasing 700. And yeah. you were like, and there's about five guys in the U.S. or maybe around the world who in the same year are like, we're chasing 700. And that's just the big number, right? The 700-pound barrier. Very few people get to it. And um, and you went first this year in, in February. I don't think we had another one of the fellas hit it. And I got, I became a fan immediately. Like, oh, shit, I think he's going to do it. And as soon as you did it, everybody's like, ah, Julius just hit 705. But um, when did... A, did you start setting the goal like, holy crap, I think I could take us there? And B, did you have to start like gaining weight and, and the whole nine? And like how much food do you have to consume to reach your goals, et cetera? So um, that's a loaded question. Uh, so whenever I first started lifting, so like when I got into rehab, I was a little under 300 pounds. And while I was there, you know, all I did was lift weights, go to work. And you know, go to classes and things like that. Um, uh, so I was, I was a little under, uh, like I said, under three hundred pounds. And before I knew it, I remember, I don't know what it was. Oh, I, so I, I believe I had a daughter. So when I had my daughter, and I was at, the, I went to the hospital, and um, they had those big, big scales there. And I stepped on the scale, and I was like three hundred seventy-five pounds. And I was like, good gosh, I'm, gro- I'm growing like. And this was within probably a year. So 75 pounds in a year. Um, and then, um, you know, I still continue. I, it wasn't like I was, uh, like, putting forth effort and gaining weight. I just kept lifting and was eating. But about uh, a year ago, I hooked up with a lady, and uh, she got my meal plan together. So I usually consume around 6,000 calories. Yeah, that's not that actually too that's, crazy, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, nothing over the top, but um, certainly, is there a certain size that you think you have to be? Because we had TD on here um, in the IPF, and he's somewhere in the 600s, and he said, uh, for for a bench, and he said he likes to be over 400, that's probably where he's optimal for moving weight. Is there a specific weight you think where you're like, all right, there's diminishing gains after that, it's not going to help so much, but if I hover around, like you have to maintain a certain size to be able to move 700 pounds. I think for me, um, of course, everybody knows mass moves mass if, as yeah. far as if you're looking at terms of like lifting weights and stuff. Yeah. But um, I, I'm thinking for me around between 420 and 450 mm-hmm. is probably optimal where I'm going to see most most results. Mm-hmm. Um, again, right now I'm at 435, so I'm right in the middle of that. And of course, like, so once once this is once I, I, I get this goal that I'm reaching for, which Josh talked about an 800 pound bench. Holy and I'm not saying that's impossible. Yeah. But um, I never knew for me a 700 pound. Listen, I remember whenever I first started watching videos of people, people were like, you're going to hit 700 pounds. This was like in 2015. And I was like, man, I just can't see it, man. And I'm watching. I think I was when I watched Corrales, maybe in 2015, 2016, I seen Eric's photos lift. And um, then I'm seeing Corral um, lift and I'm seeing Scott Mendelson lift and and all these guys, um, um, James Henderson has hit seven, around 700 pounds, and I'm just like, I just don't, I don't know, I don't see it, you know. But um, man, I just kept putting my head to the grind, man, and just kept grinding. And before you knew it, like I'm just jumping here and there, you know, maybe 10 pounds, maybe 15 pounds, hitting PRs, but just staying, uh, cons- just being uh, consistent in the gym and, and disciplined in my routines and and. and um, and Josh Bryant is very good at targeting your weaknesses. 
And anytime I had a weakness, you know, we just went back to the drawing board and, and, and um, it just kept, I just kept increasing. So now saying that, um, everything that I put myself through over the last five years, um, I do think it's possible for 800 pound bench. Yeah. And, and again, you, you talk about um, weight fluctuation and things like that and, and, and being able to uh, achieve those goals. Like and, and many people don't believe me. But I am a I'm a drug free athlete. Like I don't use any enhancement, no peptides, no PED, none of that stuff. I don't use anything. The only thing I I, I usually take is uh, every now and then occasionally pre workout uh, protein, um, and and I've tried creatine a few times. But other than that, I don't take anything else. Just eat and drink water, and snack cakes. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just to be honest. But I don't. And, and most people don't believe me, which I really don't care. But that makes a big deal. Uh, when it comes to your training, because I know that if if I was to use any kind of enhancements, I would have been in that. I would have been and broke the world record. Like people around me that are close to me know they know the truth. I just I live so I live by this code. No no um, no compromises. I, once I became free from drugs and alcohol, I said to myself, I, I'll never compromise again using drugs and alcohol. Never. I'll never do it again. And uh, when it, I've had many opportunities, many people ask me. I've had people come up to me and, and offer it to me right in my face, but um, I've turned down any kind of uh, banned substances or anything like that because, uh, again, I live by no compromises. And, and some people don't understand. If me, if I compromise in one area, I'll compromise in all areas. So if I think it's okay to use any kind of illegal drug or whether steroids or whatever, I'll promise you before long. I'll be. I, I'll think I'm, I'm strong enough that I can handle other things like drugs and alcohol, and I'll be back doing the same things I was doing, you know, five six years ago. And uh, I got a family of four and a wife that I love, and I'm not willing to go that go down that route. So again, I go to schools and I talk to kids about abstinence from drugs and alcohol, about doing the right thing, and that's um, my life. And and and, and uh, I'm just I refuse to compromise. You know what, like of, of anybody coming on here saying, um, you know, I'm drug free, I'll tell you what, I fucking would believe. Yeah. Dude, you're pretty convincing. I mean, given the background story you just gave um, and how like, yeah, you had to kick drugs and everything you do in your life. When you say like, look, I'm drug free, I believe you for sure. I don't think anybody's going to listen to this and be like, there's, there's no way. You would definitely be, though, the only man ever in history to bench over 700 drug free. Got it. Yeah, uh, there's there's one. The seven, the the, the drug free world record is seven hundred and eleven pounds. I think set by Scott Mendelson. He was drug free. That's what that's what that's what it is. I'm not saying like at the time he might have been drug free and, and and whether he been, I don't know I don't I can't speak on that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's what it is. But like I've never used a cycle. I've never used I don't. I couldn't even tell you what it looks like. Yeah. And uh, and it's just about from what I hear. Like when, when I see stuff like that, hear stuff like that, like I run from it because to me it's not just uh, oh well he's using it or not. Me it's it's life or death. Yeah, you could like, ruin I, your life. I'm not just. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You, you, you like you were saying this could ruin your life. You could it, it's yeah. walking up through that door. Uh, yeah, people wouldn't understand that if you if you're like listen I'm an addict. You can't offer an addict a beer and say oh. You'll stop there. It's like, no, man. No, that's, that's not yeah. how addiction works. That's not how it works. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, I mean, honestly, I I mean, I know Scott Mendelson, not personally, but 
I don't know if he was ever clean, my friend. He might have cycled off (laughs) for like a week and then did that. But I would think, um, are you planning on doing a tested meet just to take that title? So you could say, boom, that title's mine now? Two weeks. Oh, shit. Yeah, October 13th. Wow, sorry, what's the date? October 13th. October 13th. And which meet is that? Uh, this is going to be uh, uh, RPS, Four Brothers Iron Mafia, um, in Louisville, Kentucky. Beautiful. Dude, so, we, uh, we yeah. all eyes on that meet, history yeah. being made. And um, do you know what, so you're just looking for the, um, is it seven, you just want to be seven eleven for all-time world record? So, so I'm going to open up, I'm opening up with 712 pounds. Jesus, woo! Yeah, I'm going to open up with 712 then I'm gonna shoot for 723. I mean, again, like uh, this last meet uh, that I went to uh, Boss of Bosses, and like I wasn't um, discouraged or anything, but it made me reevaluate. Like, what what am I doing here? Like, what you know? I just had one of the one of the moments, and even more so, for some reason, when I went to Olympia, you know, I just had a few people that, that don't they don't compete powerlifting, but they compete in other areas. Um, uh, they do men's physique, and um, one place second, and one place first. Um, and it just made me rethink, like, you know, all the hard work. Like, I know that in some areas that I'm, I'm, I'm selling myself short. And everybody, you know, and, and I can't, and I'd be lying if I said every time I go work out that I give 130%. No, but there's days I have bad days when I still go in and lift anyway. But I know in certain areas, and mainly my diet, not getting in enough calories or, or eating what I'm supposed to be eating. I might slide in a, a cheeseburger or something like that when, um, everything's on the line, man, and, and it's not just about me anymore because I'm representing for a lot of people, and people are really counting on me. People are like, man, I never knew about a person could change and achieve these dreams and goals that they've set for themselves, and we're following, and, and more so now than ever. So um, uh, I have to, uh, I really, I need to, I need to start treating my body a lot better than what I have been. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, it's a little, when you get to the very, very top, um, and it sounds like, you know, when you're fighting for that extra 10 to 20 to 30 pounds on a bench, it's going to be the little intangibles that make the difference. People, you know, when you need yeah. an extra 3%, because when you're already in the 700s, 20 pounds in terms of percentage is very small. But to make that little percentage difference, it'll be the little things. You know, yeah. that, that's going to make that difference. Um, one thing that I'm just interested in, how does, like, your family, your friends, and people around you that knew you your whole life, knew you when you were, like, addicted and the family, your family troubles and, like, selling drugs, what do they think now when they see this difference in you and who you are now, what you are to the community? You know, what's their impression? Are they just, like, blown away? Like, I, like holy crap, I can't get it over yeah. through my head, you know? Yeah, uh, for a long time, um, people couldn't believe it. I mean, because you're talking about I've been I've been I've been chaos since since I was a kid, you know, acting out and stuff, you know. So um, when people see me now, it's more like, hold on, guys, let me see if I can reject this phone call. No worries, no worries. Just drop back. We'll call him back. Dude, this is an amazing story. Holy shit. Say, I can't even, like, it's not even like I can't speak. It's just that I don't want to speak. No, 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 keep listening to this. Keep listening. Yeah, this is, this is like a Netflix special. Uh, yeah. Absolutely 
a super inspirational story. Uh, let's get him back. My apologies, guys. No worries, buddy. No, no worries. worries. No worries. I, my phone stays ringing. I don't know how I could just uh, stop it from, you know, no worries, people calling. Friend. But No worries. Yeah, so you were saying how... Um, how people around you have seen this change and how like the, the difference between you as a youth when you were like a like a hellraiser, huge, huge guy getting to scraps, wrong crowd, on drugs, running drugs, um, to a, a man, a father, who now is a pillar in the community that people look to as a source of inspiration. And for new people that see you walk through those doors... Um, it must be a phenomenal experience for a kid to meet you and hear what you're, the, the strength you're capable of doing would be mind-boggling for them and you're larger in life like a comic book guy. It must be crazy for your friends and family who know you personally to have seen the progress. Like, it's just so polarizing, you know what I mean? Like, what is their take when they see this? When your mother sees you now, she's probably crazy, Pratt. Oh, yeah, my mom's crazy, Pratt. For my last meet, my mom just... I met up with her before I caught my flight, um, and she just came up to me and gave me a hug and tears, and she just tells me every single time she sees me how proud of me she is, you know, because you're talking, it wasn't like I was just bad or I was just going in and out of jail. Like, I was doing things where I could have lost my life. I was doing things where I could have went to prison for for 20-plus years, and I'm not bragging about any of that because, you know, I never wanted I never woke up and was like, hey, I want to be a career criminal and a drug addict for the rest of my life. Or, you know, I never woke up like that. I never I never dreamed of living that life, you know. But um, I'm just going to – I'm not going to answer this. <laughs> no worries. All right. Yeah, no worries. So, so um, like like I said, I just – I never woke up and was like, hey, look, uh, I want to be a, a, a career criminal or, or a drug addict. Uh, I'm going to use drugs every day. No, I never, I never wanted that. So, uh, but when people see me so, – it was shocking to a lot of people for a long time. Um, I remember um, while while I was on uh, while I was on parole or probation, um, I met up with a lot of like a group of friends that I hung out with heavily uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings. And when you're on parole, parole or probation, you're not allowed to be in any establishments that you know alcohol is their main source. But um, I kind of was you know running because I, I still miss my friends. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we, we we did a lot of stuff together. You know, you know we were close. And some of these guys I've I've, I've kicked it with since we were in elementary school, and we were at Buffalo Wild Wings, and we're sitting there hanging out. It's about eight uh, eight of us, and I remember we was watching the UK Florida State. Um, no, it wasn't Florida State. Florida Gators, uh, uh basketball game, I believe, and um, everything was having a good time. And, and before I told the guys, I said, look, you guys, please don't have any, uh, don't order any drinks because I'm not allowed to be around it. Everybody respected it, you know, and we're just hanging out and uh, they're just telling me how much they miss me. And, and they wish that I was, you know, I could hang out with them a lot more. And, and you can tell some of them are bitter because they think you're, you're goody two shoes or you act because I, I had to change everything that I've done. Like as far as who I hung out with, what I did on a daily, on a day to day basis. So at one point in time, I looked up and, and, uh, and I compromised during that time. And there's one drink on the table. Before you know it, there's there's a table full of drinks. And then people are shooting shots, call me a holy roller, bottle thumper, just playing around. We're all just shooting shots at each other, you know. 
But um, I had a, a, a like a moment of, of a realization, like something just hit me. Like you're compromising everything that you work for. And uh, I told the guys, I said, man, I love y'all, but this will be the last time um, I'm gonna hang out with you guys uh, because my life now is way more important than than you know to sit around and, and put myself in a position to fail. And that was the last time. Uh, last time I hung out with any of my you know old partners. And I left it at that and walked out and, and never looked back. So to answer that question, a lot of them were uh, uh, bitter about the situation. They weren't blown away. They was bitter about it uh, because they felt like I, I, I acted like I was better than other people. But I just I had more going on for me and I couldn't put myself in, that, in those positions again. So uh, my family and my recovery and, and ultimately God was more important than, you know, um, putting myself in that position. So. Uh, yeah, for the most part, people are were ecstatic, especially uh, like you know teachers and things like that. I ran into on on a weekly basis, and family members were blown blown away. But for the most part, a lot of my friends in in the beginning were a little upset. Now, um, I'm the guy that people run to. Um, a lot of my friends are still out there in active addiction. They're still going in and out of prison, and I, I'm the first person they call. Um, I'm the person that they ask, "Hey, how can I get some help? I need some help." Can you stir me in the right direction? Or can you do this for me? Or um, whatever it is that they're going through, I'm having trouble with my marriage. What can I do? I'm the guy that they call, you know, and I'm very grateful for that. Is it is it tough? Because I can see where, um, yeah, you're not even just handling yourself. Like, like, it's not only for yourself and your family and all your close <laughs> friends, but you're like all these kids that you talk to. I mean, if they if it ever hit the papers, you know, a, the champion bench presser who came to all their schools, if you ever got in trouble, you know, those kids would be crushed, you know, not to put pressure on you, but do you ever feel that pressure? And it's tough. If, if you yourself dealt with addiction, pressure is, is tough for addicts, you know, just for yourself. When so many people, a community counts on you. And now with social media, I mean, you could reach, I don't like our platform. We have 130,000, you know, a lot of people can take a lot of inspiration. Does, does, is that tough at times too? Where you're like, Whoa, this is getting big. You know, because sometimes your background did not prepare you for this. You might come from yeah. certain backgrounds where it's like, hey, little Billy, you could grow up to be president someday. But for you, for yourself, you're like, I didn't grow up like that. Nobody told me shit. I grew up, yeah. the expectations were low, and I was, I was, you know, going the wrong path. And you actually turned it around. How hard is it to, like, deal with that? Uh, well, I mean, I live a life where I said no compromises. I'm above reproach. So where I work at, my boss is really awesome. I mean, he kind of, um, the way he put it and, and, and how he has us as far as how he's taught me and how I've grown because, like I, like I said, I work in a recovery program. So it's not just the kids either that I'm, that I'm out uh, meeting with on a weekly basis. Like, I work for a residential program. So we have 40 men who uh, have been through the same similar life that I've been through, and they're trying to walk the walk too. So whether they got they came from prison, whether they've been homeless, or whether they've been in the streets or uh, through addiction, like we have 40 guys in our program that I meet with, that I see on a day-to-day basis every day when I go to work. Mm-hmm. So my life is just filled with surrounding myself with people that that uh, that I'm in position that I got to help. So saying that is I have to watch all areas of my life. Everything that I do, I have to watch. I have to be careful. The way I that, and that's again, somebody's like, you know, you can get more followers if you, you know, kind of be a little more arrogant and, you know, start beefs with people and, you know, how the, the whole Instagram thing goes. 
And I'm like, guys, y'all don't understand. It's bigger than that, man. I represent something that's a lot bigger than that. My social media grow. And if it doesn't, oh, well, that doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, at the, at the, I mean, you can look through my Insta, Instagram. You can see, like, I don't, I'm, I'm just not a, put it this way. Whenever I was out there running and selling drugs and using drugs, um, I was a very prideful and arrogant person. And I hate my old former life so much that I can't I can't stand to be like that like I used to be. I can't stand it. And I don't want to be nothing like it. So uh, I'm a different person now. And uh, I live by code. I live, uh, I, I don't, um, I, 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 I try to be above reproach in all areas of my life. So um, I don't tell the guys at, at, at my work not to be doing anything that I would, you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't, I'm not a hypocrite. I don't tell them, hey, you can't be out doing this or be in bars if I'm out being in, you know what I mean? If I'm out yeah. being in bars. So my my whole life, um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I fail. I fail big time. But for the most part, man, I try to live it. I try to I try to uh, walk my talk um, and, and, and um, because I have to. It's Like I said, it's, it's bigger than me. It's not just where I work at. It's the kids in the community and also my kids at home and my wife. You know, so it is what it is, man. And, and yeah, I mean, um, you're you're strong in more ways than one. That like you're one of the strongest guys I've met in more ways than one. And and yeah, in terms of whoever's telling you you should talk smack or whatever, no, man. You for you like there, there's enough of that shit out there. The negative BS like that's not you right now. This is what you're doing. I think like in terms of your Instagram. See, I didn't know any of this about you. Um, and I don't know how, like, like Instagram's a whole nother, I mean, it's a social media thing, but I think if people heard your story, maybe this is the first step, but this is some, some huge positive inspirational stuff, man. This is like, people, like people, it's true that people gravitate towards positive. They need it. That's why the rock, the rock is, is not even one tenth your, your physical prowesses, but in terms of inspiration, he just posts up, rise and grind, posts some positive shit and leaves it. He's got like 150 million followers on Instagram. You just got to be you. The way you're talking now, the way you're doing, carrying yourself, I guarantee you, if people get to know you, you don't got to put on no trash talking shit. Leave that to somebody who doesn't have a personality and needs to fabricate. You don't need yeah. to fabricate shit. No, that's, you exactly, don't need to that's exactly it. When you lack personality, you got to fake it. And when you fake it, the easiest low-hanging fruit to fake is to talk shit. Yeah, no, there's enough yeah. negativity on Instagram and social media. The, the yeah. positive is the necessary part right now. Yeah, that's and definitely it. Yeah, for you've sure. You've definitely got that in spades. Yeah, for sure. How are you doing for time? Are you okay right now? Yeah, I got about I got about 15 minutes. Okay, cool, cool. So we can, we can stretch it out 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. Sounds good, sounds good. I want to ask you, before we moved into some of your future goals, and, and I'd like to get your take on, you know, the current climate with benching and what your future goals might be. But before we move on um, from the past, so just so people realize, because sometimes when you're from, like, look, we're from uh, just south of Toronto and Canada, and we might not necessarily know, like, when, when you talk about your youth and how you grew up and the environment you grew up in, is there some cases just to give people a perspective of somebody that you don't have to drop a name, but it would have been, it turned out a different route, and that's really what could have happened to you if it went the wrong route. Like an example of that, where people know, look it, you hear the, how my life turned, but this is where it could have went. Um, well, put it this way, um, the University of Kentucky came down, Western Kentucky, 
and uh, IU came down to see me uh, my junior year uh, for football. And uh, me and another guy, he ended up going. He ended up going on to uh, the University of Louisville. He went to University of Louisville, Kentucky. But um, if I would that during that turning point, if I would actually listen to my coaches and uh, a few other uh, my youth pastor, um, I probably would have been a lot more successful than I am today. But I mean, I can't discredit who I am today and, and my success today because I'm using everything that the Lord has given me um, and I'm making a much larger impact uh, than I think I ever would have made if I wouldn't have suffered consequences and my life wouldn't have been changed. Did that answer your question? Uh, well, what I was saying was more you're saying how bad it was getting at one point where without going into detail, you're saying, listen to me, it, it got bad sometimes on that side. And I was more, oh, okay. yeah, and I was more saying, so people kind of get a perspective what you what you meant in terms of that environment without giving specifics. Is there somebody who, instead of like you changed your life, but someone who didn't, you're like, look, this is, you know, this is how bad it can get. Yeah. So I got a buddy right now that was running with me, um, and he is facing, I think, between fifteen to twenty years in prison. Yikes. Um, yeah, yeah, for uh, burglary, um, uh, felon with the possession of a firearm, um, just a lot of different charges. And, you know, I, whenever I changed my life and he was still going through some things, uh, I tried to pull him out, but, you know, he chose the streets. He chose to continue to do what he's doing, and, and he just caught this charge about four months ago. Wow. And he's sitting in jail heading to prison as we speak. Yeah, so there you go. Funny, we're listening because some people don't realize, like, um, it's different, man. Like, it's different from, you know, getting in a street fight or the rest of your life. The rest of your yeah. life, you if you make the wrong decision, you could easily go that path. I mean, I've seen people, uh, some like, for example, whenever I was out ripping and running, I had a, a friend of mine that got into a fight and hit the guy the wrong way. The guy fell, hit the curb. Uh, hit his head. Um, he was uh, he was in a coma for about thirty days. Um, he went to prison for six years. Oh, just for, I mean, you know, what I mean, it's just a we're always fighting. You know, we're not gonna get in trouble fighting. Well, he got in trouble and he went to prison for it. Yeah. And there's so many different cases. I've even seen guys that that really just compromising. I had a guy that um, that I knew, and we kind of we worked together at one point and. He was drinking and driving. You know, he's a guy, he, he didn't really get into trouble like that. He had a few beers after work, fell asleep at the wheel, um, swerved over, hit a, hit a car, uh, killed two people. Yeah. Um, he's in prison today. So it just goes to show you, like, there's no, there should be no compromising period in your life. And I, that's what I tell these kids these days, is you just never know. That's why you have to follow the law, and, and, and you have to just live by it day in and day out, because you never know uh, what position you're going to end up in if you... And I'm not, don't give me, so don't, I'm not knocking anybody that, that drinks alcohol or that, that uses uh, medical marijuana or anything like that. I'm not. I'm just saying for me, um, I can't, and I have to make sure I clarify that with everybody, mm. that, that it's not for me, that I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, speaking on the current climb with the bench, um, so obviously Kirill's got the, got the, what was his biggest bench so far? It's a... Uh, uh, 738.5. 
There we go. I knew you would know. I had yeah. a feeling you might know. I'm chasing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, and there's a couple of the guys that are also like um, LW was was looking for, but I think he took an injury. Uh, Strickland was looking for 700. There's other guys who were looking for the 700 because that's the big one. Um, but you would hit yeah. it first, and you're definitely the forefront now that you hit it and you're looking beyond. So the first goal right off the bat in your opener, you want to take the lifetime drug-free biggest bench of all time. And that'll be yes. your all-time greatest for drug-free, which is a phenomenal one right there. Then you're looking for the American um, tested or untested. And what's that one? 723. 723. So is that your second attempt? That's going to be my second attempt. The actual record is 722 by Eric's photo. Gotcha. But I'm going okay. to shoot for 723. And then, wow, so his, history with the opener. So history with the opener. Yeah, history with the second, which is phenomenal. History and then, with the third. And what's, yeah, what's the third attempt looking like, do you think? And again, you guys know, um, you just, you never know. <laughs> you never know. It just depends how you feel. Yeah, so, yeah, um, that's true. If, if I feel like I should attempt or I'm re- that I'm ready to go, then uh, I'm going to go. I'm going for it. Yeah. I guess it is one of those deals where, because uh, you got you got time at thirty one too with with strength. Um, I mean, you could go. Some people peak at forty. And here's a good question for you: um, Do you how long do you plan on doing it? And when you've hit all your goals, are you telling yourself, "I'm done. I'm going to drop weight"? Because TD said when he hits his goals, he's dropping weight, and when he's when he's satisfied, is there is there a point where you're going to reach all your goals? Because um, obviously mass moves mass. There's a reason why there's weight classes. Yeah. And then when you hit these, you're like, all right, now I could go back, you know, re- reconfigure some new goals. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course I got goals, but those goals waver. Like, and I gotta, I gotta add in. Like, I got a family, and I want to be around for my kids. So eventually, I'm gonna have to lose weight. But I, so here, here's my goals. Okay. I want to break. I want to break the all-time world record in bench press. Then I want to do a full power meet. I want to hit a 800-pound deadlift, um, 900-pound squat, and a 700-pound bench. Um, Then I want to go into strongman for a year. Mm. So give give a couple years of strongman after I – so that's long-term. That's within the next, you know, six years, five to six years. Okay, and then probably – like late 30 range, then when you hit all those goals, then you're like, all right, I made my point. Because even long after, here's a good thing. Once you've done something like this, it's all recorded, documented, and it's out there. Nobody can ever change what you did. It's like C.T. Yeah. Like Fletcher. From there on out, he's visiting schools. People are putting him in specials. And he doesn't have to. He hasn't lifted since the early 90s. He doesn't have to. You know, when it's yep. done, it's done. You could you could yeah. lean down, still visit schools. You're still gonna be an absolute monster when you walk through those doors. You're six four three fifty or six four four fifty. You're gonna be bigger than every single man in the room, and people are gonna look at you like, "Oh my God, that's the guy." Yeah. Yeah. So, um, quick, quick. Oh, sorry, did you want to add something right there? No, you're fine. You're fine. Okay, okay. Um, so a couple questions before we let you go. Um, number one. Uh, is there people that you want to thank or anyone you want to thank? And then, um, you know what, I'll go ahead and ask the second one after you've done that. Um, definitely. Uh, I got so many people to give thanks to, uh, mainly uh, uh, God, obviously. Um, but uh, my trainer, Josh Bryant, um, the guy that I train with most part, um, well, 
lately we haven't been able to train together. But uh, Josh Patterson, he's the guy that was there from the beginning of the time where I started in a basement. Um, I got so many people, my wife, my family, my mom. There's, I mean, there's just too many people to name, yeah. you know, but I'm grateful for all these people in my corner. And if somebody wants to follow you, and I think it's important they do, man, um, where, do, where can they follow you at in terms of social media-wise? So irregular underscore strength. Um, that's my IG. Um, you can just look up my name uh, on, uh, on uh, Facebook, Julius Maddox. Um, and that's, that's about it as far as social media. And do you have like any, like other videos or your talks when you go to visit these schools and stuff? Like, I would love to see how these kids react to you. Uh, and that's something that I'm, I'm working on now. Um, so I, I finally got a guy that is able to come and travel with me. So, um, I will have stuff loaded up on YouTube, um, toward the end of October, Beautiful. like, uh, actual awesome. edited good, like, like, and, and that's one thing that I need to work on is because, to be honest, guys, I, and, I, and I tell you this, like, I work, a lot of times I work out by myself. Mm -hmm. I'm pushing myself. I don't have a cameraman following me around everywhere. I live in a small country town. Of, uh, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we're not that small. We're 50, 55, 60,000 people uh, in my town. Um, but there's not a lot of, uh, 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 of people here that, that, you know, are in the, the genre, like, Piloting and things like that. I mean, there's a handful of us, but for the most part, there's not a lot of people. So when it comes to uh, uh, working out and, and, and um, as far as like powerlifting, like a lot of this stuff, I do on my own. So mm -hmm. videos, I got like I said, I got a guy that's that's gonna start doing this with me um, here in the next uh, three weeks. So I will. I'll make sure I let you guys know whenever I start uploading um, content on yeah. my YouTube. But I do have some content on YouTube. Yeah, even if like. Even when you video or you go to a talk, if you know the Instagram stories, you could video live or whatever, it's gold. But as long as you're videoing um, for later on, when you run into a guy who does do video, you could be like, hey man, I got a story. Okay, I got a fucking story for you. Give him that video. Like I would love, uh, when, you, when your phone cut out, I was telling Paul, this is a story that somebody's gotta take all this footage and actually sit down with you in like a studio, talk about you growing up, talk about the new show, pictures and all that, whatever video you got, and your journey chasing 700, your journey chasing the drug-free um, bench, your journey chasing the, the drug um, yep. bench, all of it. Journey chasing 800 eventually. Journey chasing 800, yeah. all this, dude, keep videoing, because this is a phenomenal story, my man, and, um, yeah. and, and once you have video, it never goes, right? So you can run into yeah. a guy later on and be like, let's, let's sit down, let's put this together. Because it's phenomenal, man. It's a good stuff. Um, and and yeah. one more question. The last question we always ask people when they come on here. When all is said and done, and you look back at your career in 20 years, and other people look back at your career, how would you like to be remembered? Uh, somebody who uh, emptied himself out. And what I mean by that is, is I, I gave it all I got. My basketball coach used to say, uh, Maddox, leave it all on the court. Meaning that when I walk off the court, that I gave every bit of effort that I that I that I could have given, and that didn't really, really, to be honest, that phrase or that saying didn't really register. I understood, but I didn't really understand. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't really grasp what he was talking about. Yeah, okay, I play hard. No, it wasn't that. And, and now I finally understand, uh, giving it all I got because because I know the grind and I know the like now that I know the grind, I'm living the grind now and I know what it takes all the hard work to put in, like, I know exactly what he meant 
by leaving all on the court. So I just want to be remembered as somebody who um, who loved everybody, who um, that if, if somebody needed something, I would always be there for them. Somebody uh, that uh, that gives 110 percent, meaning that whenever I gave it 100 percent, I dug deep and gave it 10 more percent. You know, um, I, I mean, does that answer your question? Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. because. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan. I've read his autobiography. And one time he was fighting, it, it might have, I forget who he's fighting, but he was no longer undefeated. The other guy was, um, the other guy was undefeated. Ali had lost. And they said to Ali, are you going to be the same fighter now that you said you were the greatest and all this shit and now you lost? And this other guy is undefeated. Like, how are you now? Like, does that hurt you? And he said, total opposite. Before I've been in tough fights and I dug deep, it wasn't until I lost and I, it doesn't, like, I, I threw everything I had and had nothing more, and I was going to lose, and the battle was lost, and actually it was Joe Frazier who was the first one to beat him. Got yeah. dropped in the last round, picked his ass up, looked at the scorecards, knew, I'm not going to win this, went ahead and fought anyways. Finish yep. it on your feet, scrap it out. And he's like, only till I emptied it did I realize I had more to give. Only yeah. when you were completely drained. So before that, he thought he knew. I'm training yeah. hard. When you taste the feet and you're completely down and out, now you know. And a man like yourself, yeah. previously, like you were saying, I thought I was grinding hard. Until you've gone through everything you've gone through, you got everything writing now, now you're for real, kicked it to another level. Now yeah. you're emptying the tank. Now you realize. So when other people say, post memes and shit, we're like, give it every day, 100, you're like, yeah, you might be, you might be trying hard, but... They don't know until they're there. Yeah. When you get there, yeah. you know. I, I know what you mean. After I read, like, Ali, Jesus, man, who talks better than Ali? But um, I, I think I know what you mean. And it's well yeah. said, dude. I think you're an inspirational character. Powerlifting needs guys like you. Um, so thank I appreciate you. it, man. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, I cannot picture another competition of me eyeballing as much as your bench press. <laughs> that night, that night, I heard your story. I'm definitely gonna be waiting. Dude, I, I feel like I'm so emotionally invested into you getting yeah. these records now. I think anybody who listens to podcasts is gonna be rooting for you. Um, thanks a lot, dude. We have to have you on again if you don't mind. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And as soon as I, uh, like I said, get some content. And, and I'll shoot you guys some videos uh, as soon as I, uh, I'm going for it. Like, I, I feel it. I visualize it. I'm ready to go on the 13th. So um, the only thing that's stopping me is me. And, and I feel that, that I, I'm just, I'm ready to go. So um, yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor. And anytime you ever need anything, always give, just give me a shout. Vice versa, buddy. We'll keep in touch. And Good best, luck, my Best man. of luck on the 13th. Best of luck, dude. You got Thanks, us. Thanks, guys. Oh, we're all behind you. All right, I appreciate it, man. Talk to you later, my man. Have a good one. All right, talk to you later. See you. All right, see you. Wow, dude. So let me just say, whoever listened to that doesn't need me to tell you how flipping good that story is. It's make you walk away and be like, I got to do something. I got to stop bitching and do something. Like, <laughs> and um, if you are one of these negative trolls who would be on the Instagram, you see someone pull sumo, you talk shit, you see whatever... Listen to a guy like that who just wouldn't have any, wouldn't have any time for you. Yeah. Who would literally yes. be like, like imagine someone trying to flame him with everything he's been through in life, and he benches if someone tried to talk shit. It'd be like, you have no idea what this man has been through. With pull himself up, bootstraps, even people around him couldn't help him because they couldn't help themselves in those environments. They were like, 
you know, they're dealing with their own struggles where it's like, holy smokes, man. And this is where you have people on the internet. When you talk shit sometimes, you don't know who you're talking shit to. Not that there's repercussions. Julius Maddox and Beast yeah. is going to show up on your yeah, it's not gonna. It's not that. It's more that you're talking shit to a man who was born, like, without any of these leg-up situations that he could have, and he just pulled himself up, made something himself, where now he's got a community behind people all around. He's got a community. It would absolutely, it would, I would absolutely, I would be upset if someone talked shit to him now. And now it's like, I, I, said, I, I feel like I'm personally invested now. I've never been like, more emotionally invested. Um, damn, I hope he does. And here's the thing, man. If not the 11th, he's not the guy. If he misses on, or sorry, the 13th, I think you said? Yeah, 13th. If, if not the 13th, he's not the guy that packs his tent, folds it. Oh, well, I didn't get it on the 13th. There we go. It's done. No, no. no. Julius is going to be that dude like, all right, let's reset it. This, his story, he's been through enough. You know, that he knows you don't quit after the first obstacle. How many obstacles does he have? Yeah, no, he's not going to be the guy that quits if he has one bad meet. Yeah, it's okay. It's, uh, you don't need to mess with me, champ. Don't worry, you can... No, I'm good. Yeah. You know, like, don't worry, man. I, I've, like, this is, this, is, this is not where the story ends. Um, and damn, what he said, too, when he talked about his whole background, he said, you know, a lot of people think I'm lying, but um, I'm drug-free. If you just saw his Instagram, how, how huge of a man, the way he moves... And he said, I'm drug-free. I wouldn't blame you if you're like, I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Like, you got a Mike O'Hearn bodybuilder who's 55 and gasps up to hell saying he's drug-free. Saying you're drug-free doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So with- I wouldn't have believed it. When this young man hopped on here and told his background and said it, I would bet my fucking life this guy's drug-free. <laughs> Listen to me. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the guy, like, if he were to fail a drug test, I would be outraged at that person that did a drug yeah. test thinking they screwed up. I would be like, what the fuck did you do to this drug yeah. test? What is it? I don't care. What the hell is it? Jesus, man. Yeah, he, that was a phenomenal. And here's why. Okay, so this is why I love what we do, man. Powerlifting, a lot of these guys aren't mainstream. Julius Maddox should be. Do you understand what I'm saying? He should be yeah. dating a Kardashian and living in a mansion right now with a reality TV show. Except for that would be... That would be punishment. That would be he completely should. against what his lifestyle actually is yeah. and what he actually stands for. And the Kardashians make me want to fucking shoot myself. But yeah. yeah, but you don't understand what I'm saying where this dude's story... You know, I'm glad we're... I'm not saying we're big like mainstream big, but at the very least, whatever following we have, we can use it to help a guy like that get a push. Yeah. And... A guy yeah. like that deserves a story like that. You know, like, that is why we do what we do, man. That is why, if you guys are listening to this, take these, post them. If Julius Maddox isn't the biggest name guy we've, we've done a, a, a show with, like Jesse Norris, bigger name guy, um, well, whoever, we got we, Russell Orton, yeah, 200,000. And if he's only got a few hundred thousand, so Russell's got the following. You hear this guy's story, take it. Post this into all your IG stories and say, listen to this podcast so that he gets some heat, so that he gets some shine, because he deserves it. Help. We got to help each other, man. We got to push each other forward. This guy is an ambassador to the sport, you know? And this is why we do what we do. This is why. And uh, I'd be excited to hear or see when he finally does an actual free look meet as well. Oh, like. What he's um, talking about, what he. Well, if he picks up, so let's say he ends up benching deeper into the sevens. But because it's three lift, like he's saying, he'll maybe sh- cut it at seven because yeah. he want to save a little juice in the tank for the deads. So he, yeah, he doesn't need a massive squat but, and dead with a 700 bench. Nine, nine, seven, eight. Like, yeah. Like, 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 like 2,400 pound total. He could probably, I swear I saw TD pull eight 
Um, I'm going to post that, by the way, if I haven't already. I think I might. But anyways, if I haven't, I'm going to post it. I think TD um, pulled eight. So, and I think, you know, there's other big bench guys for a guy his size. If he wants to squat nine, that's not the craziest. It's a massive squat. But I, fuck, man, he's benching seven. It's only yeah. 200 pounds more than he benches. <laughs> so you can wrap your head around it anyway. Yeah. You can it, picture it, it anyway. It doesn't seem very uh, outlandish. It's, the, yeah, it's not outlandish, that's for sure. Anybody else says, I'm going to bench, I'm going to squat nine. You're going to be like, okay, that's. Yeah, that's, right. Yeah, exactly. Maybe there's a couple people in the world that but, do it, but. But if he goes, uh, by the way, I bench seven. Yeah. All right, yeah. Right, it's 200 pounds more. You probably. I'm pretty got sure your legs bench. are still yeah. stronger than your arms. Exactly. Um, yeah, throughout all conventional wisdom for ratios. What's, you know, the average the average ratio for squat to bench to deadlift is, so it, by that yeah. ratio, by that ratio, he's squatting 3,000 pounds. Yeah. Okay, if his bench is 700, it's ridiculous. Squatting three, benching seven, and him pulling, pulling three. Him doing strong, man, uh, my God, man, he could flip cars, pull planes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. He could, um, I mean, he's a real-life Superman, and I, I love that there's a guy like him walking around. Been through it, he's been through it, and uh, yeah, man, I don't, like, I remember when I was in high school, George Chevallo, and for anyone, like, you know, most of our listeners aren't even from Canada, um, but George Chevallo, he was um, a Canadian boxing champion in the 70s and 60s, and funny enough, we brought Ali up. He fought Muhammad Ali twice with the distance, fought George Frazier, George Foreman. He's one of the best that ever done it himself. A hundred fights, never hit the canvas, he, a, a granite chin, okay? George Chevallo in the 90s when I was in high school, yeah, that's right, I'm a little older, uh, came to my I high school that. and talked to me, or talked to me, talked to our school. I never to this day forgot what he said. And that's the 90s. It's been decades. I forget so much shit that happened last week. But I remember when George Shavala walked through those doors and um, grabbed the mic and told his story about, like, he lost four kids to drug use, um, the battles he went through, sporting and stuff, and real life. And, like, I'll never forget that if I live to be 80. And um, I'm just like, so when a guy like Julius Maddox, who is a real life superhero, 6'4, 435, walks through the room, and one of the strongest men to ever live, not only just walking to Earth right now, grabs the mic and says, Let me tell you a story. You, like, the impact that it has on those kids, I don't know if he knows fully. Uh, I, maybe he I does, maybe he, he because you never step outside of yourself and realize what you mean to other people sometimes. It's because you can yeah. only see yourself. And you and he says, I feel so often. I bet you he does. He's human. But he, I, did, I don't think he realizes when he wins. I remember there was a while there. I was pulling school buses, going, visiting cancer camp for kids. And um, talking to these kids fighting cancer. And sometimes you don't pull that school bus because you just can't. But eight times out of ten, you'll pull it. Two times you don't. And I remember I was like rattled if I couldn't pull it. And then I remember one of the people who put together the tour. Because it's going to city to city tour. And this like... Back in the days when Canada's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, the person said, nobody cares when you don't pull it. That's not when people look back what you did this summer. They're going to remember that a guy 200 pounds is pulling 26,000 pounds. Yeah. I mean, months. except for me, I remember the ones that you did. You bring it up and, and you I, pull You and got I, pictures and clippings in that newspaper. I'd be tagging it as like, throwback Thursday. Fuck this. Throwback Thursday. <laughs> It, hashtag douchebag, yeah. hashtag go home. Hashtag but, uh, fail. But, uh, but yeah, and I remember some posting one time being like, when you see someone like Julius right now, throw out a big goal out there, like, tell everybody, this is my goal. When they swing and miss, if you're the fucking guy who, talk, who throws shade when they miss, like, ah, I remember yeah. he said he wanted to do this and he failed. 
it says a lot more about yourself and you're, you are 100% that guy who never steps out of the pocket, always stays in the comfort zone, guy or girl, because you're afraid to fail. Yep. And you set yourself up mentally by saying that so many times, now you're afraid to fail. So I never, well, like sometimes I sit around with some people, like, you hear so-and-so was talking huge shit about all he's going to do and he couldn't do it. It's like he wasn't talking shit. Talking shit was when you put someone else down. That's talking, yeah. what you're doing right now, that's talking shit. He was setting a big goal and he's chasing it. If he or she swings and misses, hats off, she tried. Hats off, he tried. Steffi Cohen came on here and Cohen, and I love Steffi Cohen, and she was like, I'm gonna, it's not if I'm going to pull 600, it's when. And some people are like, you're barely in the 500s. How are you going to hit? And I'm, you know, she's got all these goals, talking all this shit. And you're a Steffi Cohen dick writer, by the way. And, um, like, <laughs> all right, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm like, man, I love it. Because she's a positive person. Yeah. She never puts no, other people that, down. I don't have a problem with some being positive. I have a problem with some putting people down. Let her say she wants I have a bigger. I have a bigger problem with people not having goals than having goals in this game. By it, far. And she's earned the right to say that because she's one of the greatest we've ever had. And if she never gets a 600, some douchebags will pull it up and say, do you remember how stupid was that? I, th I think she had the best she had pulled was 495 when she said, because she pulled six, 500 and something in the in the gym, straps, deadlift bar, whatever, into yeah. the five. Some people are so stupid. You know what? Fuck that. I love it. I love it that she like, you know, and I don't mind sports talk if you're like, look, and I don't think she's going to hit it because we do sports talks and yeah. I don't think she's going to hit it, but I don't hold it against someone. If I ever say, uh, you know what, I hear this person saying they're going to go for this. I don't think they're going to get it. I think this is realistic. That's me doing sports talk analytical. That's my job. Literally for the IPF, the worlds to podcasting, whatever you do that. But I don't fucking shit talk saying they shouldn't have put those goals out there. I just, it's my job also to do my end as well. Yeah, no, exactly. There's and a yin and a yang. There's a different approach. Some people don't know how to toe the line. You can be analytical and say that somebody probably won't hit something. Yes. But to say that they're stupid for everyone thinking that they will That's won't, the difference. Well, that's, that's the and, difference. And I think some people think they're doing the same, like, well, we're just doing like you did. But no, you're not. No. You're like, just coming off as a negative asshole. Well, yes, that's, thank you. That's the difference. When we talk about the, the Raw Nationals coming in previews, we, I'm, I hate when people do preview shows and they can't pick a winner because they're so, so, they're going to be so yeah. vanilla about it. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I won't pick winners. No, you got to say, That's look, <laughs> here's first, second, third. Here's, I don't think this guy's, I think he's going to go for this. I think it's a mistake. I think you should go for that. But it's different than being a negative asshole. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the Jesse North situation. Um, we're going to drop that podcast. By the time this comes out, you'll have heard the podcast. We were being analytical whether or not we think he's a GOAT. But we weren't being negative assholes. We were saying, I think you might be the strongest we've ever seen, but we need to see a resume. Yeah, and it's, I, it's in a little I personally don't believe in the whole participation Roby, or participation uh, trophy yeah. culture that we've got going on. You've got to be able to pick winners and losers in sports. It's the way sports are. It's the way they're designed yeah. to be. That's what makes Julius Maddox yeah. special, is because he's done what he's done. It, Not just because he showed up and tried. Showing yeah. up and trying your all is great, but you got to rise to the top. Yeah, to lose doesn't make you any lesser of a person. Yeah. And it's okay to say that. Yeah. And it's okay it's, to say, you know what, I think you might lose this one. You know, you know what, I don't think he's gonna win this one. I've gone into I've gone into a lot of competitions where I'm thinking, I'm gonna be happy if I come out in fifth. Dude, or that's I'm gonna be happy if I even what, don't bomb out. Like what a great full circle tie-in to the the 
horrible. We're talking about the worst possible situations in powerlifting days. Those happen to people who, I mean, I've seen you win your yeah. division, be the best lifter in your flight, and then I've seen you have that, well, I wasn't there, but I've heard yeah. about that, such a horrible day. Same with Randy, winning awards, whatever, and the same guy on any given day. That's life. And I can guarantee That's what makes you on it so those, beautiful. I can guarantee you on those days, if I thought I still had something left in the tank, whether it's an overshoot, whether it's I failed it on the platform, I was still going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that doesn't make it any worse. Yeah, and you don't, you didn't give. Neither yeah. you nor Randy, it's important to note, didn't bomb out, didn't walk away. Didn't, you know, Randy said, and this is for real, we laughed about it, but um, at one point when he's dead, he said he was like, when he, was, didn't, when he stopped for a second, because you're caught up in the moment, it's like, I don't know if my grandma's alive. My grandma's alive right now. He thought, like, fuck this. He's going to walk out. And then he's like, I'm going to finish the day. And he had to make yeah. that decision. But, like, that's some real shit to hear. Like, the, we joke around, but we've had serious conversations with Randy, too, about it. Like, that was, that show's heart, man. That show is like, whoa. Yeah, and that's, that's the shit that gives you shivers where you hear about you know, uh, I don't know. It's like, sports can be such a beautiful thing, and that's why uh, it's it's shitty when people get negative, become be negative assholes. Yep, that's but, exactly what it is. Yeah, but anyways, um, we'll tie it up again. Over ninety minutes. It's hard to wrap these up quick when you have such good content flying. We're lucky, dude. I feel like the luckiest guy in the world to do what we do. I don't gotta. You know what? I don't. We we don't make shit. We got like with all the. All it takes to run this, we don't make a dime. You don't gotta pay me a dime. I love what we do. You, you can pay me a dime, though. But I, I wanna I make will, a dime on it. But, anyways, so um, from Six Pack Lapidat, Instagram Six Pack Lapidat, and Instagram Palmerans and Lifts. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and make sure you keep tuning in every week. We drop two or three of these a week. And you know what? Some of them, it's textbook. Others, the person you don't even expect. Without the big following, you don't know their background, and it's that gem. And you're like, God damn, I'm glad I got that podcast. That's what I needed. Proof in the pudding. Till next time. Peace.